Welcome to Jay Madison's Rural America. It's a journey through the stories impacting rural economies and country lifestyles. Jay Madison's Rural America is also a production of Jefferson County Economic Development. Now here's Jay. Hey there, folks. This is Jay Madison. Hope you have all had a uh, great past week and are uh, enjoying some great holiday uh, plans here for Easter weekend. Uh, glad to have you all tuning in whenever you might be tuning into this. And uh, sitting across from me is the one and only Ron Robbins. He is back from Florida. How you doing, Ron? I again. am doing great. Back again. Yeah, back should... again. Back finally for good, <laughs> I think. I uh, I might fly back down in June when uh, corn harvest is happening down there. But I'm back. We're ready to roll on the farm. Spring is going to get here. It's yeah, like boy, this this next week uh, up to 65 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 12 days of sunshine predicted. Um, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Uh, we drove back, uh, left Tuesday morning down there, got back late yesterday, and uh, looked like you guys got a lot of rain uh, Boy, I guess I don't. Last. I don't know how much, but it came down in buckets. We had thunderstorms roll through. And I saw the pictures of the lightning bolts. I yeah, mean, that must have been quite uh, sensational. Yeah, I was actually down in Oswego uh, for uh, a Congresswoman Tenney's first farm bill listening session that day, and apparently, while I was down there in Oswego. Uh, up here, a severe thunderstorm mm-hmm. rolled through. And actually, I guess uh, out there at the farm, you had one of the barns get hit yeah, by Yeah, and knocked the breaker out. Uh, really? Shut the, knocked the main breaker off. Wow. Huh. Yeah, I guess it was quite the storm. Like I said, I was down in Oswego, and I could see that there were some storms in the area, but they didn't, they didn't get it. But then when we had the congresswoman at your farm later on that day, we had thunder and stuff going through. And okay. Boy, after it was over, the the buckets just opened up and it yeah. poured, poured rain. So there's been, you know, while we're on the subject of weather here, these tornadoes, uh, Arkansas, Illinois, uh, Iowa. Yeah. I got some friends in Iowa that said what happened up there was like historic there. Really? Earlier in the week, uh, huh. those storms that went through there just... You know, F4 tornadoes in Iowa is uh, pretty rare. Yeah, I mean, you know, they get tornadoes, but an F4 anywhere is extremely rare. Uh, But this year, it seems like there's there's been, I believe, several. Yeah, so you had Mississippi uh, had that severe destruction there a week ago, and then Arkansas earlier this week, uh, several people lost their lives. Yeah, um, it's just the systems have been lining up. You get that golf moisture streaking up through, and you know the cold air comes down out of the uh, out of yeah. The, and that's been the big thing is that I mean they're getting a blizzard yeah. up in South Dakota. Well, our friend North Travis Maddock. Yeah, did you see Travis's yeah. posts on Facebook yeah. up there in North Dakota? Yeah, I mean they got what a foot, two feet of snow this past week. Yeah, and uh, a friend of mine up there, uh, he sent me a picture of his corn planter sitting in front of his shop and snow banks about ten foot tall. Jeez, oh, <laughs> so, no, uh, thank you. But you've had that cold, warm air clash. Yeah, that uh, you it, know it, that the way that jet stream pattern has set up, almost like a dual jet stream, and then merging. 
yeah. as it come east. Now, Mike Berger, of course, who used to be a dairy farmer here, lives out in central Kansas. They're in four years of severe drought. Wow. Have had no rain. Jeez. Uh, high winds, high temperatures. Um, and yet you go west of there into Arizona, um, even north into Colorado, uh, you know, lots of snow, lots of rain. Hmm. Uh, it's just been a really strange weather pattern. And of course, climatology, you know, from a climatology point of view, um, we're kind of in that transition from La Nina to El Nino. El Nino, yeah. And, and that's what's happening. Yeah, and it's it's hitting everybody. I was looking at uh, the snowpack out in California. Uh, I believe it was 800 inches of snow Yeah, in so, one spot. So in the Tulare Valley, uh, they're talking about they had to relocate some dairy cows out there. And they're talking about those farms maybe not coming back. Really? Uh, there's a big concern right now about what this is potentially putting the final nail in the coffin for some dairy operations in California. Between high feed prices, uh, the inability to get feed to the to the West Coast with mm-hmm. the rail and the truck situation the way it is. Yeah, you can't put anything on rail these days because yeah. it derails. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, so you have those high costs, you have the unavailability of feed, um, and then to have weather uh, yep, not on only destroyed some of the wheat crop, the winter wheat crop there that they use for forage. So they were talking about some of those big dairies actually being flooded out and those cows being moved and basically permanently. Never, yeah, never coming back. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't heard that, but you know, you think about it that Tulare County area, that Central Valley of California, yeah. the breadbasket of America for you know for a lot of you know, food products that we get, um, they went from extreme drought yeah. to extreme wet overnight. Yeah. yeah. Literally overnight. Yeah. yeah. So now it sounds like you had a busy week. Uh, it's been a busy week. Yes, it has. So you had your annual conference last Friday. I missed it. I was, I took a quick trip down to Florida and the uh, family came down and we did some hunting and some fishing and, uh, some traveling around, but uh, how did the conference go? Went really well. Uh, it was a small turnout this year, which was fine. I mean, we had 50, 60 people, something mm-hmm. like that. Our speakers were great. We had Cheryl Mayforth, the uh, uh, executive director here for the Jefferson Lewis Workforce Board. She started out the program, and it worked out really well, giving an overview of what's happened to our workforce, You know, where where have they all gone, you know, what are the projections as far as workforce for the future? So that was a really great start to the program. Then we brought in Mar- Martha Laburn. Uh, Martha is a VP at HP Hood in Massachusetts. Uh, she oversees a lot of the fluid uh, uh, milk plants, um, you know, a lot of the processing. But the other thing she does is she focuses on team development within HP Hood. Okay. And she talked about some of the things that they do at HP Hood to, uh, you know, improve your employee base, your employee retention. Um, And she talked about how it's important to engage those employees in, you know, in the company. 
mm-hmm. which I think was a really good message. Then we had uh, David Freund with the Manufacturers Association of Central New York, and he is a leadership development person for uh, the Manufacturers Association. He wrapped up the program. It worked out really well. I it went just the way I hoped, and it worked out really well with him coming in at the end. He really hammered home the importance of engaging your employees, empowering your employees, and doing more than just having that person do their their duties as mm-hmm. an employee but to to engage them and empower them to be part of that business and how that's going to be important for the future. And, and I'll, I'll give you your farm uh, kudos, Ron. I've seen you folks do that at your farm. And I think we need to do more of that in agriculture. Right. Uh, you know, the employee can't be just an employee right, anymore. Right. You're right, involving them in day-to-day decision-making at least so that they understand direction and the reason for decision-making is super important. Well, that and, and you know, really making them feel like part of the family. Yes, yes. Which, yes. you know, you folks do that. You've invited me to some of the parties and stuff. You yeah. make me feel like part yeah. of the family. Well, you are, Jay. Oh, thank you, Ron. <laughs> uh, I can be that black sheep of the family, yeah. but I'm yeah. still family, so thank you. But, you know, it's those types of things that, you know, whether somebody out there likes it or not, you know, if, if you need to keep that employee base, you're going to have to start thinking about how do I do this better? Yeah. And the other big thing is, you know, it's tough in agriculture because it's a 24-7 operation, but being able to provide flexibility and scheduling is something that's just huge nowadays. Yeah. Yep. It's, you, you have to do it. Yeah. You've got to provide you've some flexibility. you've got to be staffed up so that you can, if, you know, somebody has a family issue or babysitter issues or whatever, um, well, you were just talking about, uh, before we started recording here, you were just talking about your trip back up from Florida and you stopped and spent the night in Gettysburg and there's a restaurant that you went there and you were, you're friends with the owner or something and you were telling me about how she's had to change her whole game plan as far as hours of operation and so yeah. on. Yeah, and we, uh, yeah, actually it's a restaurant right on the square in Gettysburg. We've gotten to be really good friends with the owner there. We we love Gettysburg anyway and uh she actually has a small farm outside of town and uh does some Airbnbs uh on two old farmhouses there and but she has a very popular restaurant and she once COVID hit, uh her kind of her bounce back from COVID uh really has gone to a 5-day schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh cut her employee numbers basically more than half. Wow. Everybody gets two days off a week, went to a lim- more limited menu, uh, and her revenue actually is, she told us, has been stable. Really? You I know, mean, that's by, that's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and uh, she said it just, you know, it, it was a big change, uh, but, you know, she said uh, the employees she does have, uh, they like the fact that, you know, they get lots of hours on the days they're working. It's been a lot easier for her as a manager. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, and, I mean, she runs a first-rate operation. On the other hand, you know, the bad experience is traveling home. I don't know how anybody, really, between airports and restaurants <laughs> and hotels, 
I don't know how anybody really wants to travel anymore. And, you know, we were kind of talking about it off air, Jay. You know, that's really an opportunity for us locally here. Right, right. You know, we talked about the Watertown Rapids, you know, and the, the customer experience that you've worked so hard to do there. We talked about Old McDonald's Farm, and that's something we've always prided ourselves on is a good customer experience. You know, and I think a lot of the local businesses have a real opportunity here to really step back and take a look at themselves and say, you know, what can we do that separates us from the masses, from the chain restaurants and the hotels and the other things that go on right? to really provide a quality experience and capitalize on people's, you know, kind of distrust in the system as it exists today. Yeah. It's so critical. Um, you know, you brought up the Watertown Rapids baseball team. You know, I since I started there a couple of years ago, you know, they employ me as their fan experience specialist. Really what I do is customer service. Yeah. I, I, my focus is on customer service from the moment the people walk through the door to the moment they leave. Are they having a good experience and is it fun? Mm-hmm. Um, and is it entertaining? And I've worked with our employees that we have to make sure that they all understand, okay, yeah, you might run into that customer that's not happy because their hot dog got cold while they were waiting, but you need to make sure that fixing that experience is as pleasant as possible for right for those those fans. Yep. Um, we have to you have to do those things anymore to keep those customers coming back. Yeah, and that's what keeps customers returning. And um, so it's going to be interesting. I mean, there's just so many examples of bad experiences out there when you travel nowadays. And uh, you know, we see it with the airlines traveling back and forth to Florida. I mean, the the caliber of caliber of people that are working is certainly they're not as well trained yeah uh you know whether you just you wonder probably turnover is high but it's not good and uh i think it's an opportunity for so but you know i'm really glad that the conference uh addressed this issue and uh you know kind of spinning back to that because Workforce development is on the top of every single business owner's agenda right yeah. now. It is, in my opinion, it is the highest priority for every business out there is, you know, workforce development. It's, you know, how do you keep, how do you keep the employees you have and attract the new employees you need? Yeah. And, you know, as an economic development agency, we recognize that, we have to do everything we can to assist our uh, businesses here in the community with workforce development. It's one of our highest priorities um, is to help those existing businesses uh, deal with this issue of workforce. And it's not easy. It's not an no. easy one. There's not no. going to be any simple solution. No, to and it's a it's an everyday project. Yep. And uh, but it's one that. You know, and, and unfortunately, you know, regulations and, and wage rates and other things aren't helping matters. I mean, we <laughs> talked some about, you know, entry-level high school positions. You know, when minimum wage keeps going up like it is, how do you afford as a small business to bring a high school person in who really needs that workforce development training? Right. If the minimum wage goes up to $21 an hour, which, you basically cut those people out of the workforce yeah, altogether. Uh, how can you afford to employ a high, a high school student 
and get the quality of work you need in order to afford that. Yeah. So it can't happen. It, it's it's just I do not understand these legislators down in the city that think this it makes sense. I, I just you know, there's a starting wage. It's a starting wage yeah. so that you can take those people that don't know what they're doing and teach them what they're doing yeah. and help them get to a spot where they can then advance up the ladder. Yeah. It's, wow. it's, it's a see, unique time. So you also, just as a little teaser here this week, um, you had Congresswoman Tenney in the region. You attended, yeah. We had her out at the farm. Um it was fantastic. It was it was a great, great, in my opinion, anyways. Of course, I'm biased because I hosted it, but it was it was a great program. Thank you uh, to Old McDonald's Farm for being willing to host it. Uh, I attended her listening session she had down in Oswego County, mm-hmm. and not knocking Oswego County, you know, it was it was good, but. That was more formal, you know, more mm-hmm. of a formal hearing. And she did a great job of asking questions of the speakers, but there was only time for maybe five or six people to speak mm. uh, because the way it was structured and those people got up and they gave a lot of statistics mm-hmm. about things that we didn't need to know and didn't talk about the priority issues. Where at our forum, we had probably 30 people there, mm-hmm. or pretty close to it, and we covered such a range of topics and had in-depth discussions, and, uh, you know, the congresswoman, she was just engaged. She was... Awesome. Yeah, she was asking all kinds of questions of everybody, and then... You know, conversations started back and forth between some of the farmers, and then she'd be asking questions about that. It was exactly what we hoped yeah. that we could engage her in a, a really good in-depth discussion. And I, I was very pleased she she did engage, and she knows quite a bit about what the issues are. That's really exciting, actually, to, uh, to have her show that level of interest, have that level of understanding yeah. of the issues, yeah. and, uh, and ask, you know, really good questions and be engaged. So it looks like we may have her on the podcast. Here. Well, it's, we right now tentatively are looking at uh, later next week. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm waiting for conf. I don't want to say a day cause yeah. you know, I still have to do the editing and all that kind of stuff after we record it. But um, it's looking like later next week, she may be on the podcast with us here and we will get it out just as quickly as we can. And, uh, you know, we'll ask her some tough questions. Yeah. So that'll be really good. And then I also think we're scheduled to have our commissioner of ag. Yes. Uh, commissioner Richard Ball, the commissioner of agriculture here in New York state. Um, he's planning on joining us, uh, just before, uh, earth day. Awesome. So he, uh, his office called up and said, Hey, the commissioner wants to join you guys. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got guests calling us. I now. love it. I love it. <laughs> well, in fairness to the commissioner, uh, we sort of, when I was down in. You prompted it. Yeah, I prompted it. Yeah, so. but that's all right. Yeah, that's all right. We'll still say he called us. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but no, looking forward to having him on the show. I've had him on, I had him on the radio show yeah. way back when. Uh, but 
have not had him on the podcast. Well, we'll have a chance to ask him some tough questions as well. Exactly. We want to. We want to. You know, spread it around. That's right. We don't <laughs> reserve tough questions just for uh, for one person or the other. Yeah. We 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 think we ask tough questions of everybody, right? Yeah. Man? Well, that's really good. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. We've had uh, you know our chair of the House Ag Committee. Uh, G.T. Uh, Thompson. G.T. Thompson on, and uh, we really look forward to continuing, you know, dialogue with him. And and I think, you know, in today's world of politics, if we can, you know, have some engagement on behalf of some of these decision makers back here at the local level, that's really, really good. Yep, absolutely. I agree 100%. You know, the the more we can get them on the show and get them talking agriculture, the yeah. more likely they are to maintain that, which is which is very important. So yeah, it's it's cool, you know. But I will say, uh, our conversation uh, you you set up this interview with uh, Sutton Rocks there, the yeah. dairy yeah. farmer down in Florida. I got a lot of comments from our listeners, and I personally. As I went back through and listened to the conversation, as I you know edited it up to clean it up and stuff, uh, really enjoyed that. That was a yeah. great, great interview. I learned so much from that, listening to Sutton talk about the dairy industry in Florida and across the nation. Yeah, no, it's uh, and those are the kind of guests I think we uh, you know we want to move this to uh, to really give that perspective out there of what's going on around the country in the world of agriculture and even around the world in some cases. So thinking about uh, agriculture, a uh, lot happening. Of course, spring, yeah. spring is coming here. And been, the farm's been spreading some manure out yeah, there. Yeah, so, you know, even just uh, driving up through the county, coming home yesterday, uh, started seeing manure trucks and... Uh, so let's talk about that yeah. for a minute. Well, I, I was going to say that that has become a common. It's always been an important resource for our farms, but now it's more precious than ever because of the cost of fertilizers Correct. and so on. Yeah. So, you know, uh, that ability to store the manure and then spread it has become so critical. But I, I wanted to ask you, Ron, when you spread the manure, um, you know, you have to go by a plan. You don't just go out and spread that manure no, willy-nilly, do you? So there's a lot that goes into that. We have to watch the weather forecast because we can't spread prior to a forecasted rainfall event. And, uh, oh, my phone's ringing. There <laughs> I was wondering if it was mine. I was just looking to see if it was my phone. <laughs> Sorry about that. But That's no, right. we have to. we have to watch the weather. We have to document the weather. Yep. We have to document our spreading plan, mm -hmm. you know, how much we spread and where. Mm -hmm. um, we generally try to work it in immediately into the soil. So, you know, we can't spread unsaturated soil. And mm -hmm. that's all documented. And, and, you know, we're inspected every year as a large CAFO. Oh, really? By DEC. Every year? Every year. Wow. Okay. And uh, they go through your records. Everything has to jive. And believe me, they... Uh, they know what to look for. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we also have to take soil samples every three years to make sure that your phosphorus loading of the soil doesn't become saturated. So that so that phosphorus loading, that's that's a concern because if phosphorus gets into the waterways, that can cause problems. Correct. So basically you're testing that soil. So, you know, you you're you you're out there applying manure. 
and then you're growing a crop and you, you want that, that crop's going to remove X pounds of phosphorus as it grows out of the soil. So you can't over apply the manure to the point where you begin to saturate that soil with excess nutrients. Okay. So that's very important. Too. Yeah. Okay. And of course, mother nature will throw a wrench in the gears where you get a year, like you go through, you know, a, a dry spell like we had last year where your crops don't grow as vigorous. They don't take up as many nutrients. So then you have to cut back on yes. what you apply. Yeah. Okay. So this is all in a plan developed by somebody. By a certified planner. So that person's certified, not by you, no. but by somebody yeah. else. Yeah. To, to make sure. Now my phone's going to ring. Of course. <laughs> Sorry, Oh, folks. somebody let the cow out of yeah, the barn. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it works. It gets people's attention. So, but... Uh, so, you know, there's a nutrient management planner that has been trained and certified and gets recertified who knows the science of balancing the nutrient needs of the crops, the nutrient needs of the soil, the nutrient availability of yeah. nutrients in the soil, and then also what the nutrients are from the manure. That gets tested, yeah, too. Yeah, the manure gets tested as well. And so all of that has to be balanced, and you go by that plan. That's correct. To Sounds like it's a pretty darn good system to make sure that you're balancing the needs of the crops, the soil, with environmental regulations as well. Yeah, and then, of course, manure storage facilities are built according to engineered specifications. I helped build a few of those. Yeah, they are uh, inspected by... Uh, by an engineer, you know, as they're being built. Now, uh, uh, so the most common manure storage facility we see here in the county, I believe, is still the the earthen storage. Earthen storage, clay lined. Yeah. Now, that clay, just for our listeners, that clay, uh, you might have worked with clay when you were a kid in school and made your mom and dad the little cup to hold yeah. water and stuff. Clay is relatively impermeable to water correct especially when you pack it down which according to the engineering plans to build a manure storage structure uh, uh, if i remember correctly it's been a few years since i was involved in this i think it's either a three inch or six inch layer of clay is brought in and then you have to run a uh, a compacting a vibrating correct uh, yeah. roller over that yeah. And that has to all be packed it down. Then the next layer of clay is brought in, and that's packed down. And then the next until you get to that depth yeah. that's required by the engineering plans. Yes. So all that clay is brought in, or if the soil happens to already be a good heavy. Yeah, you can save it on site as you dig the. Yeah, but you still have to bring it in, bring it back. Yeah, and put it in in layers and compact it. And compact it. So, yeah. in essence, it becomes that impervious yeah. uh, liner to yeah. the manure it's storage It's as hard structure. as concrete. Yeah. And so, water doesn't move through that. Right. So and we all know water doesn't move through clay. Yeah. And we see it because yeah. we have a lot of clay soils yeah. here in Jefferson yeah. County. So, and then the other thing that's done is the uh, there's a uh, um, tile system put in the ground outside of the manure storage structure to prevent groundwater from moving through that Correct. as well. Right, from the opposite direction. Yeah, so yeah. They, they make sure that groundwater stays away from the manure storage yeah. structure. 
Yeah. And you don't, and the structure is built and designed and engineered so that water doesn't move through that clay liner. And then that allows you to store a certain amount of manure. Yeah. So then during the winter, all the manure is stored, not spread on snow or anything like that. And then this time of year, that's why you're going to see a lot of activity, especially this coming week, as fields begin to dry out. You know, we just had a conversation this morning. Okay, where can we spread next week, uh, early next week? What's our best drain soils that are going to dry out the quickest? We'll go to them first mm -hmm. and uh, start applying manure. And then, you know, as the week goes on, it'll become a little easier because other fields will other begin fields to dry, dry out. And uh, we'll be able to, you know, go more places but we have to be really careful, you know, not to spread on standing water, um, you know, anything like that. Of course, you don't want to destroy the soil structure anyway by right, being right. out there when it's too wet. So Right. It's not in the farm's best interest from a crop production side to to spread the manure on fields that are, are still saturated where you're going to compact those right, soils. Right. And we had that discussion this morning, too. And I said, you know, I know this is may sound repetitive but you know we you know we got to be careful here and uh you know so you talk with your staff about yeah. those things yeah you remind your staff about what yeah. the procedures are and if there is standing water in the field you need to go around it you need to stay away from it you need to stay away from houses uh you know at least 100 feet you know if you if you if a wellhead is present you need to be well away from that wellhead mm -hmm. and we we tend to err on the side of lot more than what's required by the law even yeah you have to so the the manure storage structure is an environmental practice yes absolutely it's designed to help make sure manure is spread on the fields at the right time versus Correct. all the time yep and then see we will once we get this initial application done here on where we're going to plant corn this spring then we'll store manure again, and then as we take hay off in the summer, we can apply it after, right after a cutting of hay or after we take weed off in July. Um, you know, we'll apply manure then, plant a cover crop. That land will then sit till next spring okay. where it's planted into corn, and that the nutrients from that August application will be taken up by that cover crop. Right. Then right. that'll die off during the winter. Mm -hmm. and put those nutrients back into and, the soil to replenish and then the, the biological activity will release them onto yeah. the next year's growing crop and a lot of farms these days are looking at soil health as being a very critical piece of the operation yeah and that's where healthy soils got to have that biological activity it's you know you've got to have good soil structure um so you have to be have to be really cognizant of what's going on with your soil. Mm, okay. You know, it, it's amazing the amount of work it, that goes into being a farm these days, especially a larger scale farm, not knocking any of the smaller scale farms, because uh, they have to pay attention too. But being a larger scale farm, you know, uh, it's, you really have to be, um, <laughs> an expert in a lot of different things to to do a good job yeah and it takes a lot of management because you know and let's face it things can happen so you know you got to be thinking ahead about 
you know, what are the pitfalls here? Mm-hmm. Where can we trip ourselves up and try to avoid those? Right. So, you know, and my experience has been, you know, having worked on the soil and water conservation district side of things for 13, 14 years, I forget how long it was, you know, the soil and water districts work with the farms to help them with their environmental stewardship projects. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I was always impressed at the work that the farms do. And, you know, like a manure storage structure, they're not cheap. No, you're going to spend, you know, you can spend upwards of a million dollars on a manure storage. Just one. Yeah. Just one manure storage yeah. structure, a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and yeah. that's clay lined. Yeah. That's not with, yeah. you know, that plastic liner or yeah, concrete. Yeah, or concrete. Whew, I can't even imagine what those yeah, are. Yeah, so, I mean, that's where it's in your best interest then to utilize what's being stored in there. Yeah. you, you got to have you, a payback on that. This yeah. isn't just getting rid of animal waste. No, this is uh, an important resource for yeah. the farm. Yeah, there's got to be a payback of it. So, you know, I guess the message here is, you know, and I think I think we're very fortunate in this county to have good public support yeah. of our farms. Yeah, people I think understand, people appreciate having yeah the and, ag community we do. And you know, once in a while we complain about the stinky times. Yeah, but you know, and I think it's important for for neighbors to large farming operations make sure you communicate with the farm. It's important for the farms to understand they need to communicate with the neighbors. Yep, absolutely, and. Let everybody know what's going on and when, you know, we try to encourage our neighbors if they've got events going on on a weekend or something, let us know. Yep. And, yep. Uh, you know, we'll make sure we, you know. Do the best you can. Yeah. To, you know, go to other locations. And and I think and I think that's important for farms to understand. they got to be cognizant of, of their neighbors mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, understand that, you oh, know. it's a two-way street. Yeah. It's a two-way Absolutely. street. Absolutely. So, you know, so you are going to see a lot of this activity. And, again, I'm, the message is communicate with your neighboring farm. For the farms, communicate with your neighbors. Let them know what's going on. Yep. Keep mud off the road for, you know, we we make sure if roads get tracked up, we scrape them. Yeah. Try to put warning signs out. Yeah. It's important. It's important to work with the, to work with the community both ways. Yeah. And ultimately, uh, just hope everybody has a safe spring. Yeah. Well, it, just thankful it's spring. It's yeah. time. It's yeah. time. So, well, Ron, I think All we've right. got to wrap up here. Uh, hopefully, everybody enjoyed the show. And, uh, folks, uh, like we said, we're hoping uh, right now it looks good that we will have uh, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney joining us next week. And then the Commissioner of Agriculture, uh Richard Ball joining us the following week. So yeah, a couple high caliber guests. We gotta I we guess gotta we brush better, up our A game here. I was gonna say, I guess we better step our game up, Ron. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy Easter, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Jay Madison's Rural America. Thank you for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America. Make sure to join us weekly. If you have any questions about the show, call Jay at 315-782-5865. For more information, visit www.agricultureevents.com or jcida.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Jay Madison's Rural America.